Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. Welcome. My name is Jared. I'm the Young Adults Pastor. I'm excited to be with you all tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about something that everybody wants to have, and it's called purpose. Everybody wants purpose. Have you ever walked into a room or into a situation with some people, and you're like, I don't belong here. This is not the place that I need to be uh, right now. Uh, If you've been paying attention in the news, something kind of crazy happened. Uh, Has anybody heard anything about the Suez Canal, the Evergreen uh, cargo liner deal? I've got a picture of this. So this is a cargo liner. This this thing carries up to 20,000 of those uh, cargo units that they're like, 40 feet long, they're eight feet wide, they're eight feet tall, they're massive, massive things. This thing weighs over 220 tons, not 200, sorry, 220,000 tons. Like, that's a lot of weight. I tried to do the math and I couldn't. Um, it's really heavy. It carries over 20,000 of those things. Um, it's a big boy. It's uh, 1,300 feet long. It's as long as the, as the uh, towers in New York are, are tall. Like, it's just crazy how big this thing is. And uh, March 23rd, it got caught in a, a sandstorm, in a windstorm, and it got pushed sideways in the canal. Um, and this, the Suez Canal uh, carries, they, they think it's up to 15% of the world's trade and commerce goes through that. It connects the Mediterranean Sea to the Red Sea, which connects the Indian Ocean. So if goods are traveling from Asia, India, all the way to Europe, they use the Suez Canal to go through. So the first thing I saw about this was this picture right here, and it said, hey, you may have made a mistake today, but at least your mistake isn't visible from space, okay? Whatever you did today, you didn't do that. Uh, The number on this thing, so like there were 369 of the same type of boat waiting in the Red Sea to just go through. They think that it was costing the economy $400 million an hour, like $10 billion a day because like what those ships are full of is like goods that could go bad, animals on some of them, like stuff that's just like, I don't know what the fallout is gonna be for some of this. And, and a report came out yesterday. It, it got freed up yesterday and they moved it, moved it down and some ships started to kind of finally coming through there. But the report kind of came out that it was definitely a sandstorm, but there also might've been some human error involved. My goodness, like I don't want to be on that side. Like I'm glad I didn't choose to be some kind of type of boat captain that's the size of a skyscraper because I don't know if I want to deal with the repercussions of that situation, okay? Like that's just don't want to be there. Um, I remember probably one of the, the times that I have felt the most uncomfortable, like I don't belong, like what am I doing here? Um, is dubstep still a thing? You guys remember dubstep, like Skrillex, the dude with the, with the under... So... When I was a senior in high school, uh, I ended up at an underground dubstep show on accident. Um, And it was like downtown um, Springfield, but not like downtown Springfield. You ever go like north downtown Springfield and then you like make a left towards the silos? Like it was there and it was like a buddy's brother who had like invited us and I I was like, what's... What's happening here? Like, I just walked into this basement of this warehouse, and this music is playing, and the, the, the time that I knew, I, I, like, I wasn't, this wasn't my thing, 
was like after the show got started, this dude pulled out, I don't even know what it was, it was like a stick, and he lit both ends on fire, and he just starts like whipping that thing next to the only exit, mind you, and I'm like, this is not safe, nor does it meet fire code, if any of you mind that, and I was just, I was homeschooled, and I dressed like it, and it was just like, I just, I did not feel comfortable. I was like, I looked at my friend Adam, and I was like, the music, I was like, we don't belong here. And it was a, it was a fun moment. Um, I think one of the times that you realize you don't belong somewhere, you, like, you feel the most out of place, like you ever go to your old uh, place of work, and you, you go there, and you're like, oh, there's, they got that fixed, that's cool. And then you, like, you see behind the counter, and you're like, oh, man, they... Oh, they need to refill that. Like, that's the thing. And then you see stuff start to go wrong, and you're like, I know how to fix I can't. I can't do it. I want to fit. I want to help. I can't do it. And you just feel like you know what it takes to fix this situation, but you can't do it. Nobody wants to feel out of place. Nobody wants to feel uncomfortable. Nobody wants to look at their situation and say, I don't have any purpose here. And I was listening to a pastor this week who said, if we don't know our purpose, we'll always feel out of place. If we don't know what our purpose is in a place, you'll always feel like you don't belong. Think about that. You've had situations where you walked into and you're like, this is not my thing. My first day at Missouri State, I came in as a junior because I transferred. I I came into this 500 level constitution poli-sci class and I was just like, he had a stack of books this tall and I was just like Googling how to drop classes at Missouri State while I'm sitting there. Like, this is not for me. I need to take 100-level classes. And that's a funny joke. It's a funny thing to think about. It's a funny thing to think about, like, man, I don't want to deal with the Suez Canal, Evergreen Boat fallout, like. But what I would hate is for a group of people in their 20s and 30s where purpose is like, man, I'm just getting my degree done. I just got my first job. We're talking purpose. This is just like, I'll figure that out when I get married. I'll figure that out when I have kids. I'll figure that out when I have a little money in the bank. But it's always easy to kind of set our sights on that next thing and say, whenever I get that figured out, that's that's when purpose will really come. Whenever I find the person I'm gonna marry, that's when purpose will really come. Whenever I find that real job that I've been training for for so long, that's when purpose is gonna come. And I think it's easy to see the gap, right? It's easy to look at the people around you and go, well, they have it figured out and I don't. They have their purpose and I don't. It's easy to see that fifth year, that little victory lap that you took in college as like, man, I missed the purpose. Everybody else got it done in four years and I don't have it done. Man, everybody else is dating, you're like getting married and it's like, it's ring by spring. It's like people are getting excited about marriage stuff and like, you're like, man, nobody's blowing up my phone for a date. Like, what do I have to do? You might look at like somebody else's family situation and you go, man, they have like the perfect, it looks like a sitcom. Like they all sit on the same side of the table and they all dress nice. And like, and then I know my family and I'm like, that's not it. And you feel like I could just never do what they do. Well, I transferred to Missouri State, so I don't think I'll ever belong. I didn't grow up in this church thing, so all this is different and weird to me. So I'm just going to hang in the background. Or maybe you've never been in a church or never been in a church like this, and you're like, okay, I'm going to stand. This is not the place that I belong. The smells that I brought in here are not the smells that they need in here. 
The thing that I smoked, the thing that I drank before I came in here is not the thing that they... It's easy to see the gap between where you're at and where you think everyone else is at. Maybe there's a gap even in your own heart and in your own life and in your own mind. That maybe you have a relationship, maybe somebody in your family or maybe somebody that everybody else is friends with that that person deeply, deeply hurt you. And nobody else knows. And you don't want to blow up their life. Or maybe you deal with something in the back of your mind at night, mentally, emotionally, that no one else knows about. Because as soon as you leave your room, as soon as you leave your car and get to the place, you put on a face, guys, what's up? Am I doing good? And then you come home and you just wonder why. Why do I feel this way? Why is this something that I have to carry, something that I have to deal with? You have pain in your past, pain in your history that nobody knows about. And you wonder, why do I have that pain? Nobody else around me is carrying that same thing. But if we don't know our purpose, we'll always feel out of place. Tonight we're going to talk about a guy named Solomon. We're in Ecclesiastes, and if you have your Bible, you can open it up to Ecclesiastes. And if you don't, all the verses that I use tonight are going to be up on the screen, and you can follow along. And actually, if you don't have a Bible and you like one, right over here at these white signs, we would love to give you a Bible. But we're going to talk about Ecclesiastes and a guy named Solomon who wrote Ecclesiastes and a couple of other books in the Bible. But, but Solomon was an incredible person. He was the son of King David who wrote most of Psalms and was a big character in the Bible, a person that God used. And Solomon was his son, so he was a king. So Solomon was a king, he was an author, but on top of those things, the Bible calls him the wisest man who ever lived. He wrote the book of Proverbs, which is right before what we're gonna be in tonight. But the thing that's probably the craziest that we'll probably like gasp at the most with Solomon, like, He's a king, that's cool, we don't have kings here. He was, uh, you know, wise, that's great. He wrote some books. Anybody can publish a book on Amazon these days, that's a big deal. But like, Solomon was the richest person to ever live. Like, Logan showed me a Forbes article, we were talking about this, and he was like, yeah, look up a Forbes article where it talks about like, his wealth. Like, Jeff Bezos or Bezos or whatever, however you say his name, Elon Musk are worth like 130 to 170 billion dollars, which is hard to fathom, right? King Solomon, the number, $2 trillion in today's money. Unbelievable wealth. Like, could have spent money his whole life at an unbelievable rate and would have never run out of money, right? And this is the guy. And Ecclesiastes is kind of him uh, looking back at his life and saying, like, what was what? Like, how do I make sense of the, the, the way I use my time and the way that I pursued things? Because he struggled with purpose. I'm going to read you, we're going to read a lot of verses through Ecclesiastes, but I'm I'm going to read these to prove a point. Ecclesiastes 1, verse 14, he says, I have seen everything that's under the sun, and behold, all is vanity 
And that word that he uses, vanity, like vapor, it's just, it's there one second and it's gone the next. Breath. It's all vanity and a striving after the wind. Another version says it's like trying to catch the wind, like you, you just, you can't, you can't contain it. It's the attempt in and of itself is kind of a silly thing to think about. And in the next couple of chapters and verses, he talks through all the different things that he chased after with his time. In Ecclesiastes 1, 16 through 17, he says, I said in my heart, he's saying to himself, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, his kingdom. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to no wisdom and no madness and folly, both sides of the equation. I want to understand the wise man and I want to understand the fool. And he said, I perceive that this also is but striving after the wind. Wisdom and intellect. Being right. He did it. He was there. There was no one that he could find that couldn't teach him anything. He had all the wisest people around him constantly teaching him, and it still didn't satisfy his heart. In chapter 2, verse 4, he said, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions and herds of flocks. More than any who had been before me in Jerusalem, I also gathered for myself silver and gold and treasures of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and concubines to delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. The dude had it going on. He said, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. If I saw it, I let myself have it. If I wanted it, I took it. If I saw something that would please me, I had it. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Here's what he's saying there. He's saying, everything came at face value. I'd eat the best food, I'd eat the best steak, and as soon as I was done eating it, that was its reward. I'd surround myself with the best singers, I'd surround myself with the best employees, and as soon as those moments were over, that's all I had. Everything was at face value. It says, then I considered all that my hands had done, in the toil that I had expended in doing it, behold, it was all vanity. And a striving after the wind. And listen to this. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. There was nothing he didn't taste. There was nothing he didn't see. There was nothing he didn't let himself experience. And he says, there's nothing to be gained. There's nothing that can satisfy What's within me? And it keeps going. 
in verse 14. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this is also vanity. He said, hey, the wise man dies at the end of his life. The fool dies at the end of his life. So he throws up his hands and he says, what good is it? For of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance. Seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. Listen to this. So I hated life. Some of you are here and you limped into this building because this is your story. Nothing that you haven't tried. Nothing that you haven't given yourself over to. Nothing that you haven't wanted and said, all right, I'm going to try that first season and see how it works. And it doesn't do anything. He says, so I hated life because what was done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and a striving after the wind. All of his pursuits. All the things that he looked at and said, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe if I find the right singers. Maybe if I find the right people to surround myself with. Maybe if I find the right employees. And then he said, it made me hate my life. In Ecclesiastes 2, verse 20, he says, So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toils of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. He says, I've worked for the things that I have and I'm going to die one day and chances are one of my kids will take it and go, man, this is great. So he throws up his hands even further and he says, what good is this? He says, this is also vanity and great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun. For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. It's an exhaustion. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This is also vanity. Do you have a rest? Do you have a peace about you? Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, he wraps up these thoughts with this. He's talking about God and he said he's made everything beautiful in its time and also he has put eternity into man's heart. I think we know this. I think we've seen that there's something that nothing individually can satisfy. There's nothing wrong with enjoying some of God's created things but they're not meant to be ultimate. I think about, I think I've shared it in here before, but one of my favorite stories that's terribly sad, but it shows this point, is Tom Brady in 2005, which Tom Brady broke my heart because I was a Rams fan in 2000 when they won the, the Super Bowl, and he ripped it away from the Rams, but if you look at the clock, they had three seconds left, they should have had a chance. Anyway, that's besides the point. But Tom Brady won the Super Bowl his first year, and then two more years, within the next five years, won a Super Bowl. He won two Super Bowl MVPs, incredible career. And in 2005, 
He did an interview with 60 Minutes. And I, I can't find on the internet what the question was, but this is Tom Brady's quote. In the league five years, three-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP, and this is what he said. There's times when I'm not the person I want to be. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there? I've reached my goal in life. There's got to be more than this. People tell me I've done it. I'm 27. What else is there for me? He and the interviewer just looked at each other for a minute.